Welcome to Diving Deep, a podcast production of Black Pearl Coaching. I'm Becky David, founding... (laughs) 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 I'm Becky David... Founding owner of Black Pro Coaching. Oh boy, are you in for a ride? <laughs> I'm Sarah Stevens, co-owner at Black Pearl. And man, I know what you're thinking. First of all, what is wrong? With <laughs> who are these crazy people? I, uh... I'm gonna tell you who we are. We are we are uh, business partners who own a coaching and consulting business, and. We are currently experiencing the challenge of trying to create together, and it's <laughs> funny, it's hilarious if you could have heard the 7,000 outtakes. So the second thing I'll bet you're thinking is, why does the world need another podcast? Does the world need another podcast? And the answer to that is that we really do think you need this one. The world is full of voices that encourage us to be productive and effective and responsible, and... Those same voices tend to challenge anything in us that wants to dream bigger than that. So while we think that there is an overabundance of people who are encouraging you to do it one way, we still believe that there's space for you to be encouraged to do it differently, to dream bigger, to reach further. And so if you're going to go below the surface with us, which is really what this podcast is about, There's a couple things you might want to know. First of all, we believe that the universe is absolutely abundant, and we believe that the universe wants to conspire with us to create a more fulfilling um, and authentic life. And we believe that one of the best ways to find the courage to make that deep dive, to dig underneath, to see what the universe has planted inside of us that wants to be let out, is to listen to other people who have already done that work. And so we'll be inviting multiple voices to join us around the microphone to tell their story of how they got there, where they found the courage to dig deep, how they discovered what it was that was inside of them, and all the ways that they worked to make that dream come alive for themselves. And so our first series is the Dream Series. It's a deep dive into dreams. And not just the kind you have at night, by the way, although sometimes those do play but the kind that lives inside of you that you may not even know exists. So you're going to, uh, you're going to want to listen to this podcast, especially if you're living a life that doesn't really fulfill you, especially if you know that there's something that you've always wanted to do, but you've never had the right circumstances or the right resources or the right amount of courage to make it happen. This podcast is for you if you are in the middle of creating something and you just need more encouragement and inspiration. So I think it's helpful before we invite other voices around the mic, Sarah, if you and I have a conversation first about how we got here, about why this is important to us. Let's do it. So I want to say one thing about dreaming because I've been thinking about this. Okay. A lot of times when people talk about dreams, they talk about stars, shooting for the stars, and all of that kind of thing. 
And I find that that really doesn't work very well because I don't think that it's very accurate because dreams don't just fall out of the sky for us as much as we might wish they did. And that's one of the reasons that I really like our approach of the deep dive because I think finding our dream is really more about digging around in the dirt, digging deep inside of us past all the, the crusty things that keep us away from our dream so that we can find what's real and true and authentic and it's messy and it's dirty and it's work. So it's not about reaching up, but about reaching in. Exactly. And I think that's one of the mistakes that we make, is that we think somehow that the dream is outside of us, that the dream will just drop from the sky into our lap. It doesn't, And I don't think it works like that. Mm. I don't think it works like that either. It never has for me. I've done a lot of reaching for stars. I've done a lot of chasing dreams that other people have put in my heart. I've done a lot of uh, trying to go outside of myself to find ways to make my life feel more full and real and authentic, and none of those have ever worked. The only thing that's ever worked for me is sitting still and listening and trying to discover what it was that the universe has put inside of me. Tell me a Tell me a specific story about a way that you go, wow, I was totally chasing something else that somebody uh, gave me, or I was reaching for stars when, in fact, the truth was um, right in the middle of me all along. Well, actually, I have a whole lifetime of stories like that. So my first job out of college, my, my first career was a career that I chose because that was the career my best friend chose, and I couldn't make a decision. So actually I have a story after story of not being able to make a decision and not being able to find my own voice. And so everything from one career that led into another um, never felt completely authentic and authentically mine. The first thing that ever felt like was something that I created was Black Pearl. Mm. Tell me how you decided to create Black Pearl. Well, even that didn't come in the way that I'd like to be able to sit here and say it did, like some divine inspiration that you know, bubbled up and all of a sudden the clouds parted and, the, and there were trumpets. It just didn't kind of work like that. I created Black Pearl because I liked coaching and I wanted to do more of it. And so even though I had another job at the time, I created the business so that I could continue to coach in my, in my own time. What, what was it that, that kind of woke you up about coaching? You know, because in lots of ways, so explain because our audience doesn't know what you were doing when, when that was going on. I had an 18-year career in healthcare. And over time, that career had evolved into one in which I was doing a lot of leadership development. And one of the things I discovered is that the thing that really makes me come alive is helping other people come alive. And so working with all of those leaders who found um, their jobs to be truly difficult and found it uh, hard to to be authentically themselves in that kind of a work environment were the people that helped me wake up. So by helping them wake up, I woke up. Mm. And so I discovered that coaching was this great way to help other people discover what was deep inside of them, what they really wanted, how they wanted to be in the world. And I wanted to do more of that. So, again, sort of less about this perfectly constructed uh, design mm -hmm. of this is the thing that I want and I know how to get it, 
more your that that piece of your journey is more about this is the next right thing for me to do. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the next right thing. Actually, you gave me that language, but it turns mm-hmm. out to be very powerful for me. Yeah. One thing I've come to believe is that the universe never gives us the whole plan because we would turn tail and run in a hurry because very often getting to our own dream and to what the universe wants for us is is just hard. And it also expands our imagination beyond what we can comprehend. And so I think the universe always puts in front of us, and maybe only, the next right thing. And so our job is just to be faithful to it, to take the thing that's in front of us and live into it as fully and and honestly as we can, and uh, wait for the next right thing after that uh, to appear. And what we find when we look over our shoulders that we've completed this whole journey of moving towards something that is amazing. And we just did it one right thing at a time. So what's the next right thing for you? Oh, I think this this thing is the next right thing for me. I think developing um, the business, but um, living more fully into um, what it means for me to be a coach and to help other people come alive and to get better at that and do that in the best possible way I can. And, uh, and then keep my hands inside the ride and see what else the universe is going to put in front of me. So tell me about your dream. Uh, sort of similar to you, but from a different motivation. I, uh, I didn't spend a lot of my life asking myself about my dream or what I wanted. I was, for a very long time, I was a single mom who needed to make decisions based on survival rather than things like creating a dream or living into that. And in hindsight, I actually probably could have married both worlds. You know, I could have, um, I could have understood that survival is not, uh, that the two things are not mutually exclusive, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, the two things could have coexisted. But we don't live in a world that tells you that. You know, there's a lot of, there's like this very clear divergence of paths. There's the one for the people who are, quote, responsible, unquote, you know. They keep their head down. They do the job that's handed to them to give their family what they need and the security of what they need. And then there's the other path for the dreamers. And I actually come from a family of... um, uh, where that sort of has played out, my family of origin that's played out, I have um, I have one parent who has done the job, you know, and been able to provide consistently. And then I have another parent who's taken a less linear journey. And so the two always looked mutually exclusive to me, as opposed to maybe being able to live in both. Regardless, for years, for at least a decade, I... I... I was on the path of head down, do the job, do it really well, and I did. So um, this notion of dreaming really uh, came to me in pieces of next right things. Uh, It probably started with a real discernment of leaving my very comfortable corporate healthcare career. And, And we were just talking about this last night. Uh, we were talking about people who seem to have a clear, defined sense of purpose mm-hmm. and how it isn't really the case for either one of us. Mm-hmm. There's no, I don't, it's sort of like um, I can visualize 
the kind of house I want to live in. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't want it to be two stories and uh, preferably brick with a big yard and all those things, right? But I don't, I can't visualize like what color the door is, you know? So similarly, I can see big things about the kind of dream that I have, but I don't, uh, I don't think I have the details yet. Mm -hmm. I know that this, living this way, and by that I mean um, waking up every morning and the first thing that happens for me, I don't even conjure this anymore, I wake up and the first thing that I think is that I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for the life that I have mm -hmm. because it's a life by design now that, um, that I set my day and I set the tone for my day and the cadence of my day and I always get to create things. So at this point, it's kind of like um, the house, you know, so the brick two-story house. For me, that's, I know that the dream is creating things. Mm. And at the very least, it's creating good in the world around me. Mm -hmm. And then how that happens is still a mystery, which is a really fun way to live. Yeah. So what would you say to people who find themselves in the place that you were in the first half of your life, where it's hard to think about dreaming when you're just trying to put food on the table. Um, it makes me think of a conversation I had with my daughter when she was about six, maybe seven. And she, uh, and that would have been the time of sort of peak survival mode for us. And you know, anybody, any parent knows that if it's peak survival mode for the parent, then it's peak survival mode for the kids. And they don't necessarily have language for that. Um, I don't know that she knew how difficult everything was, but she knew. Yeah, she, she could knew feel it in her bones. Right. And I'd watched her uh, on the playground. We had gone to this little local neighborhood park. And I had watched her brothers, like, wander in the field and draw in the sand. I mean, just dreamers I watched them be and they were younger than she was and they and they had been younger through some of the difficulty and I um and I watched her not know how to play and she was like six right so um I sat with her and I asked her to come we had this I remember it was this sparkly rubber ball and we sat across from each other and we just rolled it back and forth right and we were just talking and I said do you I said do you dream anymore and she said Mama, I don't have any time for dreams. She was six years old. So, the thing I want to say to the person who's surviving is, I see you. And I, uh, I know the weight of what it means to not be sure about where um, the next day's basic needs are coming from. And, you know, uh, it felt like the right thing for me to do at the time to be very practical and to be very uh, achievement-driven and to seek certainty. But when I heard it in my daughter, when I heard that loss of dream in her, I, I couldn't feel grief for me. I couldn't feel it. I couldn't feel any sense of loss about dreaming. I was too busy. 
but when I heard her say it, it still grieves me today to hear it. And um, the loss of dreaming is no less a tragedy for me than it was for her, and right. it's no less a tragedy for you right. than it is for your child. That is an amazing story. That makes me cry, actually. Yeah. There's something so sad about, especially a child, I think, mm -hmm. but for any of us to say, I don't have time for that. When I think that's what we were all created to do. Um, <clears throat> so, I also know that if this me would have sat down with that me, the one who didn't have enough money to buy groceries next week, mm -hmm. and said all the things that I believe now about the, about the magnificence of the universe, I probably probably would have wanted to literally fight mm -hmm. uh, the, this me. Yeah, <laughs> you know? take you out. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would have because I was angry about my life circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that I want to say, the other thing that I think is really important mm -hmm. is that um, I know now that that I had to live through all of that to understand this. Right. And I couldn't have known it then. Right. And so while your dream may not be here yet, maybe you're still trying to figure out how to feed your kids yeah. next week, uh, it's coming. Mm -hmm. And it's still in there. It's still in there. And it it's really um, seems to me to be a a matter of trust in the abundance of the universe that, um, this doesn't mean, you know, believing in an abundant universe doesn't mean that life isn't hard. And it doesn't mean that there's not moments where that abundance doesn't seem very close to us. But it certainly means that we put some trust in the fact that it will be. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable to me... <clears throat> The amazing level of trust that the whole journey takes. I mean, it really is about our worldview and what we think that the universe is up to with us. Mm -hmm. And if we can get to a place, um, which is part of the dive too, I think, where we begin to see how abundant the universe really is, even in the smallest ways around us, we can start to lean into that truth for ourselves. And so even in those moments where we have to really look and maybe even dig to find the abundance in our own lives, it is always there. Mm -hmm. And being able to see it in the little ways, the simple ways in everyday life, I think opens our eyes to, uh, to new ways of seeing the universe that we didn't know before. Mm -hmm. And I think, that's part of the, I think that's part of the journey too. Mm -hmm. um, the other piece right now I think that's important for us you and I, mm -hmm. is this idea of inviting other people to do this work, mm -hmm. right? Because, mm -hmm. right? Because of our own experience right. of, the, of what it brings to you when you yeah. start to dig. Yeah. And, once you come alive, it's really hard to go backwards. Yeah. You know? And once you start to come alive and the world takes on a new color mm -hmm. and you find yourself actually breathing and exhaling again, it's something that you want for everybody. 
At least I know I do. And I think you do too. And so I think that's part of our work is to say, you can do this. And, and the world is going to be better for it. Right. How do we bring you with us? Yeah, your family's going to be better for it. I mean, it. Uh, this is how we create a different world. Mm-hmm. But we don't want you to just believe us or take us at our word. And so what we want to do over the next few weeks is put other voices in front of you, people who have who have made the dive in some uh, very painful ways and some more simple ways, just to show that how different that dive is for each of us, but that it is possible for all of us. I think that opening ourselves to the universe is like standing at the edge of a dock and looking over into the water. Sometimes the water is crystal clear and we can see all the way to the bottom. We know exactly what's in there. And other times the water is just really, really murky. But either way, every time, the dive off the dock is really nothing short of courageous and remarkable and liberating. So in some ways, this podcast is simply a celebration of an amazing and imaginative, abundant universe and the stories of a few people who found their courage and followed their curiosity enough to play in it. And so we hope that this podcast helps you connect with your courage and piques your curiosity. So when you hear the universe say, come, come out and play, you accept the invitation. And dive deep to uncover your full and abundant life.